Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 9320 podcast. It's Summer 19, Episode 5. Uh, following on from last week, we'll be looking, having looked at the top six, at the promoted sides and probably the rest of the league as well. The best of the rest and the worst of the rest. Also, because the kits are out this week, I've been quickly looking at a bit of City stuff, the kit launch and what we think about them, and perhaps a quick talk about centre-backs as well. And anything else that may take our fancy. I'd like to be joined today, first of all, by State. Good morning, State. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, not bad. The sun is shining, so could be worse. Yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, exactly the same, mate. Yeah. Is it shining that way? It is lovely and bright. Right. Good. I love how we start with a weather forecast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm travelling past you again at the weekend to Anglesey, so right. it looks well, like no, it's, it's, nice. it's not going to rain. So. And I've heard only good things about that island, so... Uh, well, you can't be a bit of Anglesey. Yeah, is it good? Have you not been? I don't think I have. Maybe as a child, but I don't think I've been as an adult now. Oh, man, it's... it's Yeah, it's beautiful. And obviously yeah. you've got to drive kind of close by to Snowdonia on the way, and uh, yeah, it's God's country, mate. Brilliant. <laughs> well, we'll agree to disagree on that bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also joined today by Jordan. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Do you want a weather forecast from up in Edinburgh? <laughs> uh, yeah, go on. Tell me it's eight degrees and cloudy. Yeah, it's, it's about 14 degrees and partly cloudy, according to my Google Home. Um, <laughs> but no, not like the weather in Manchester last weekend. I was back for, for the weekend. 31 degrees on Saturday, wasn't it? So nice. that was that was nice and enjoyable. But no, it never really gets too uncomfortably hot up here. No, I didn't think it would. Right. <laughs> would, the, would the country cope? Well, we can't cope in England anyway, so yeah. Yeah, but talking about stunning places, you can't beat Edinburgh, can you? Oh, it's no. beautiful. I live I live right in the city centre. It's the most amazing city. Yeah. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, another place I've rarely been to, or Scottish Highlands, but we should do it. We'll do a travel pod once <laughs> yeah. to go with our cookery pod and all the other ones as well. Well, <laughs> on tour. Yeah, well, the, the, the listeners demand it, so. Yeah, in, in a tent. <laughs> yeah, right, well, let's let's crack on, because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, right, the only question, uh, midnight on Sunday, <laughs> well, does that make it Monday? Because oh, it was just after anyway. Uh, the kits were released, we all knew what they looked like anyway, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine many stayed up to midnight just to see, uh, just to have it confirmed. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. Well, shall we start with the fact that us two went to the launch and felt even double our age, <laughs> if that's possible, going there full of hipsters and Instagram influencers uh, for an event which I think was led more by Puma itself than City. Yeah. So I'm not sure City would have put on exactly the same sort of uh, reveal. Uh, thoughts on the night itself before we talk about kits? It was a bit of fun. It really wasn't aimed at the two of us, I don't think. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> but, but that also lends itself to my thought on the kit. I mean, the home kit, I really don't have any strong opinion either way. I just like it. It's inoffensive. It's, it looks quite cool. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it. But the away kit, which I love, I think they missed a trick as regards to the launch night because they told us beforehand that there's a story behind the away kit. And that yeah. story was that it's Hacienda-inspired all kind of industrial diagonal, you know, yeah. uh, colour blocks and all the rest of it. 
Um, so in that case, I don't know why they didn't get Mike Pickering, you know, a lifelong blue to, to DJ or even Dave Haslam yeah. and just have a, a real old school Hacienda style rave. I mean, if that is the story of the kit, then that lends itself to the kind of night that they could have had. As it was, we watched Bugsy Malone, who was, you know, extremely good, but not really my kind of uh, type of music. And, and, you know, frankly, the whole night was a success for Puma and City, but we're not really part of the demographic they were aiming the night at, were they? No. So, yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not on my bucket list to see Jolene Lescott DJing. <laughs> I think he did well. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that depot is quite an interesting space, isn't it? So, you know, there's been plans for ages for it to be turned into some. But again, that, that really neatly fit in with a Hacienda, doesn't it? The fact that it's a warehouse. So, yeah. you know, it would have been perfect. But, you know, Puma, if you're out there, if you want me to, to do it next year, just give us a shout. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy a bit of DJing then? I, I personally won't do a DJ and I will, um, you know, kind of ask uh, Mike Pickering to do that, but I will just stand around take lots of selfies of myself, which seemed to be what everyone was doing that night. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. What could I say? Yeah, It was, uh, it was different, yeah. That's, that's what gets me, because I've never been kind of in that situation before, surrounded by kind of Instagrammers and social influencers and all the rest of it. And it's just the shamelessness of it. They're just... In front of crowds of people, they just pucker their lips and kind of pout and take photos. It's like, how could you do that? But, I know, and that was just Sam Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's still I'm, I'm sorry, Sam, but you, you were wearing shoes without sh- uh, socks. So you know, so he's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I used to look up to that guy as well. But it was interesting. I think the, you know, the few Grizzler old-time City fans just kind of just kind of uh, gravitated towards the bottom end and outside as the, the night wore on, which we yeah. did as well, because it was still a very nice, mild night. So, uh, Jordan, then, uh, your thoughts on the kits themselves? Uh, yeah. I definitely prefer, I don't know, I'm, I'm no goth, but as a, <laughs> a, a middle-aged man with a beer belly and no dress sense, I probably gravitate to boring colours. I do love that, that away kit much more. Yeah, the home kit's just okay. Probably could have had maroon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why purple, just because someone designed it and thought it looked good, I imagine. Uh, your thoughts on the kits? Yeah. And do you um, care? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't at the kit launch. I didn't realise you guys were um, until you told me. And then I, I did seem to recall a video of you two starting a mosh pit during Bugsy Malone. Absolutely. <laughs> it all made sense then when you, you told Which, me yeah, you were there. Well, Sean Gota started off. <laughs> you, just, you just joined in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really care too much about the kits because, well, actually, in the past, I've not really cared too much about the kits because they've not seemed to change too much. I think the the night kits were really disappointing. They all seem to be a template job, yeah. and City seem <clears throat> to have the same kit as Paris Saint Germain every year, just in a little different colour. Uh, so that was quite disappointing. I think when you're one of the best teams in the world, you want your own sort of bespoke kit. So yeah, I was quite I excited. Say, yeah. I was quite excited when. Puma were announced. I think when the leaks came out of the of the kit, I think people were a bit less warm to it than they are now. But I think having seen it, that they've done a pretty good job. The, the home kit's quite nice. I like the the contrast with the maroon. Although I, w- I was worried it make list City look a little bit like Burnley at the start, but I think that could w- has been avoided. My favorite is the away the away kit. It's something different. It's nice. I think it's one of those in twenty years time that you'll see. 
younger City fans are wearing is a retro kit. I think it's got that sort of feel to it. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, I think mm-hmm. they've done a decent job. I think the best kit makers personally are Adidas. I th- yeah. If you've seen Arsenal's kit for this year, I think that kit deserves to be playing in the Champions League. Obviously, the squad don't, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's a beauty. So, I think Adidas are, are leading the way with that. But overall, yeah. I think Puma have done a decent job. Yeah, I think, just as you say, just the hope that Puma, or Puma, depending on where you're listening to this, are... <laughs> Who says Puma? I think, I think they do in Scotland. I think that's why I've it, been saying it. It is really? Puma in no, America, I've, yeah. I've just got it wrong, Steve. And oh, maybe Germany. Say, I, don't... I, I missed that, Jordan. God, I've yeah. never heard that No, before. I've actually not. No, I've been saying Puma. Have I? No, in America, I'm pretty sure they say Puma. You know, I'll be I'm corrected online, no now. doubt, if I'm wrong. So. I don't oh. even know what I've been saying. Puma. Yeah. That's I'm sticking with Puma and Nike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you say Nike, yeah. then you're going to have to stop listening. I've never been a fan of Nike. Yeah. And Adidas. I'm sticking with them whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, as you say, I'd just I'll be happier with Puma if they just if <laughs> if they do have an identity to kits in the future rather than just, you know, the same thing for about eighteen different clubs. Mm. Uh, but personally I I I almost I'm more interested in the other range of stuff they do, you know, T shirts, polo stuff and stuff. So yeah. yeah stuff like that I'm more likely to buy because it's not 90 quid either so uh, we'll see what launch is obviously the third kit to come as well which we're probably sure we've seen already as well yeah. so but uh, what have you seen that alleged third kit Steve? I haven't no what colour is it? Oh, well it's hard to describe uh, right. is it like a yellow? yeah it's yeah, merging into orange and pinks, and the, the third kit's are always zany, aren't they? I think yeah. for me, I think I see, kids yeah, like I them a lot more. I think I don't know, so I don't get worked up over nothing's. Nothing's going to beat the the tributes of the nineteen sixty nine kit, the the white one with the red and black stripe yeah. across. I think it's yeah. beautiful. Benzier, and any sash on a kit is just beautiful. Well, I mean, sorry, I had to write the weekend about favorite kit and least favorite, and I was in a rush, and I still Kappa kit. Even though there's so many things wrong with it, the Kappa <laughs> kit 97 to 99, I put as the favourite. And I'm really angry with myself that I forgot that sash kit. Mm. Was it two, Was it like 2009, 10? I think, yeah, I think, I think it might have been 07, 08 or 08, 09. Oh, yeah. Because I remember Alano <laughs> wearing it and I think he was only there for two years. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So, mm. I mean, sorry, generally, Steve, we Generally speaking, well, with, with kits, I mean, with City kits anyway, I only really care if I don't like it. Yeah. As long as it's okay, then great, you know. But it's if I don't like it, then it, it really aggrieves me. Yeah. Um, because you know, obviously, it's your club's identity for a year um, and through the annals of time as well. So, so in this instance, I like both kits. I really like the away kit, so I'm really happy. Brilliant. Right, let's move on. Uh, I've got a second question because we've been linked with I think 78 uh, centre backs centre-halves, whatever you call them, defenders, uh, over the summer, are just ignoring it all. The latest one for Le Keep. I'm not sure they'd be at the forefront of insider knowledge, you know, on a non-French player being linked <laughs> with an English club. But Nathan Aki, I said that right, is the latest link. Mm. Uh, you know, you see these names, think, oh, I've not thought about that person before. That's not bad. It's like Angelino in a way. Uh, but, Jordan, I'll start with you. Mm. When you heard... Now, the link's probably rubbish. <laughs> but uh, does this appeal to you more than, say, Maguire, who 
you know, our links are surely very definitive in that respect. I think if City could get Maguire, I don't think there's any doubt that we would do if the you know if the price was lower. Does Ake appeal to you as an alternative, or you're not sure? Uh, he's not a bad player. I think he suits what City City are looking for. I think you know the fact that he's left-footed as well, or he certainly plays on the left of central defence for Bournemouth. Um, he's quite Do we need that though. Well, with Laporte, you think he's the mainstay, but it, it seems to be they're quite sought after left-footed centre backs. Um, so that that's attractive in its own right, and he, he clearly is good on the ball um, and an exciting prospect. But generally, I think it's become a bit fashionable to dislike the idea of signing Maguire. Um, I think had he been coming in from Italy, maybe or Spain, people would be a bit more excited than they are about the potential of signing him. Yeah. Uh, the, the the fee is putting putting me off. Well, not that it matters whether they put me off, but I think he's rightly putting City off because ninety million would be absurd. They want more reportedly than Van Dijk signing, so over seventy five million at least. So it would break City's transfer record, and I don't think he's quite good enough to justify doing that. I think he'd be a good signing, and I think he'd do a job. Um, he's very good on the ball, very confident. You've seen him dribbling out from the back and. Generally, I don't think there's much better out there apart from maybe Delit, and even then, it'd be a bit of a gamble because he's not played in one of Europe's top five leagues yet. He looks brilliant, but there, there are there is no sort of definitive answer to City centre back problem. So, no. with with, with uh, all those things considered, and also, what sort of centre back does City want? Do they want someone to start next to Laporte, or do they want a backup? Because that the prices, yeah, yeah. The prices indicate they want someone to start, but there is still Stones there who I think needs to improve, but is capable of improving. And at the start of last season, he was brilliant. Uh, so I think he should be given another chance because when him and Laporte play well together, it's a Stone Stone Wolf sort of first choice partnership. Yeah. So it's tough. I think Ake would be one where you think he's not going to go straight into the starting lineup, but he's a good replacement. And then another thing that comes into my mind when thinking which sort of centre-back the City want is the reason why Company was thrown into a lot of games before the end of last season was because of his physicality and his ability yeah, to, yeah. to win headers. And if you buy Nathan Ake, I don't think... You've, the, the only option really is Otamendi who, who comes into the side to, to play more physical strikers. And even then, that's quite a small back four of centre-half choices. So... I don't think it would be the right option. It's quite an interesting one because he's new, but I don't think I don't think there's much to it. And I think I'd prefer Maguire. What if it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the assumption for going for Maguire, obviously, you say you know, it's not bad on the ball, but physicality surely with their company gone is surely the main reason. Aki is about five foot ten or eleven. I think one point eight yeah. meters. As bored than I looked up the heights, Maguire is <laughs> one meter ninety-three, so thirteen centimeters different. So, yeah, uh, you don't have to be super tall. You know, positioning surely is important for clearing headers and stuff, but that's a big difference. Yeah, uh, but you can see in the mind of sort of Pep and Cheeky that they've seen this massive Dutch centre half go from Southampton to Liverpool, who's fantastic on the ball and also very physical. Yeah. And you can see why they'd want to replicate that. Obviously, that's not going to happen in practice. If, if he's anything like Van Dijk, then he's worth every penny. But um, yeah, you can see what sort of the, the reason behind wanting Maguire. And I don't think it would be a disaster like a lot of people seem to be claiming. 
or do you rather have him just here? Let's just say Otamendi goes and he comes in, and you just look at it in that respect. Would you rather Aki was there than Otamendi? No, no. Had a bit of a mare last night, but this morning. But oh, I've not actually seen that. What was the score? That's Argentina for you. Brazil won 2 0, and Jesus was on fire. At least Gabby scored. Um, No, I I still think, you know, if Otamendi goes as well, then I think it makes there's more need to spend big money on a centre back rather than just get Ake. And I I think it'd make more sense to go for Maguire if Otamendi went. Okay. Uh, Steve, your thoughts? And I asked you, I didn't ask Jordan this because you've not had time to think about it, though you can chip in if you want. what do you think about Ake? And also, have you got any left field suggestions of your own for for that berth? Yeah, I, I mostly agree with the two of you. I, I kind of disagree over Ake's kind of physicality. I think the times I've seen him, particularly if Bournemouth are coming up against a top six side, he is very good at sticking to the to the main striker uh, and having a physical duel with him. Um, you know, okay, maybe he's five foot ten, but he's good in the air. He's very comfortable on the ball. He always looks in control of everything around him. Um, he looks like a leader as well, which is very important with Vinny's departure. Um, he can play left back too, and, and obviously Pep values versatility. Mm. So he's got a lot of good things going for him, and particularly his price. You know, if it, if it is in a forty million pound region, um, that's good value. That I think for you know a proven Premier League defender who's actually not yet reached his ceiling yet. Um, so I'm fully, I'd be fully in favour of, of signing Ake. Um, as to Maguire though, and, and this is where I totally agree with the two of you. I think it has been overplayed. His, I don't know. People seem to be looking down on him somewhat um, due to possibly the fact that he's, you know, a, a supposedly gritty Yorkshire defender. You know, he, he's had a lot of stereotypes put upon him. Yeah. Um, not helped either by you know his route to here. To Leicester because you know it, it, it's hardly glamorous clubs he's played along the way, you know, Hall, Sheffield United, etc. Um, but in those clubs, he has stood out as an out, outstanding talent. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Harry Maguire to be honest. As for alternatives, I looked at RB Leipzig, um, and there's two players there who they just seem to pop up on everyone's kind of you know gossip columns and all the rest of it. Um, there's Ibrahima Kanate and Dayot Upamecano, if I said that right. And they're both 20 years old. They're both French under-21s. Um, they've both got huge futures in the game. Now, I'm, you know, cards on the table, I have not seen either of these players. But I was kind of tasked with putting together a kind of um, the top 20 emerging young talents uh, yeah. recently. And I did a lot of research, particularly on Dayot Upamecano, up in Meccano. Yeah. Um, saw a lot of videos, read up a lot of things about him, about his past and kind of, you know, all the coaches and their views on him. And he's going to be a real star. So there are alternatives out there. Um, but as Jordan said at the top, there's not, there's not the ideal candidate. But, you know, I, I, you look around and you look at Baducci. <laughs> I know. 32. 32. Yeah, past his best now. But he still would have a lot to offer as well. Um, there's just no ideal candidate, unfortunately, unless we can get a time machine and put Vinny back in it. I've got yeah. one. Oh, who's that? Sergio Ramos. Oh, <laughs> because that yeah. would rile Liverpool fans no end. <laughs> and also, I think he'd actually do a great job. He would. Every he team need one thing. City are lacking is a bit of a shit house in the squad, yeah. and by adding him in. 
you know, you, you've definitely got that and more. You've got enough shithousery in him for, for about 10 players. <laughs> and, you know, he, he could definitely do a job. He's very good on the ball. He was linked with leaving for a Chinese club earlier, but he said he wants to retire at Madrid now. But, I, you know, it, I think I think he could be swayed. Not that City would go for him because he's not the sort of profile that, that City want. But you ask for a left field suggestion, I think that's <laughs> one for it. you. I don't know with VAR. I, I'm not sure he'd last. Yeah, he might struggle, or just you know gets away with it for Madrid, but not for City. But it'd yeah, be worth I mean, it just for the reaction from Liverpool fans. Well, that is the option: is not to buy big and just get a, an old head in there yeah. as a direct replacement, well, for, like Benucci, which I think would yeah. make sense. Yeah, but Bonucci, if, if he was twenty million, then fair enough. But the quoting 40 to 50 million for a 32 yeah, yeah. year old is just ridiculous yeah. and I don't think City would would be absolutely mad to entertain over 30s unless they're on the cheap you know yeah. a, I don't know and I don't think there is a backup really I think there's a road to you know just you have your have different defenders for different types of games when Pep's around so anyway we shall move on thanks for that both because this is league matters so I probably shouldn't have spent so much time on that, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure people are mad. We're going to look at the main topics first are the promoted sides. Uh, so we're going to look at what we think their prospects may be. And of course, this may change a bit once the transfer window is shut because with promoted sides, they obviously have a lot of work to do in the transfer market. They're not really ready for the league uh, with what they've got. But let's go through and and start with uh, Aston Villa. Now, I assume we're not all experts on these three sides, but you know, did catch some championship football last year. I saw Villa went on a very long unbeaten run as well. Uh, and, of course, they won the playoff, 2-1 against Derby. Uh, Dean Smith doing a good job there. And they look like, of the three teams, they've got the most to spend. Uh, I mean, there's... I think they were overdoing their FFP responsibilities in the Championship anyway and they're going to keep spending now that they've got the riches of the Premier League and even if it goes wrong, parachute payments. Uh, they've got that Wesley Moraes in, £22 million from Bruges. Uh, they've gone across the city and broken all the rules by getting uh, Yotta or Jota from Birmingham. Uh, Steve, start with you. Your thoughts, seem, they've, at this early stage, they're easily the most active in the pre- in the transfer market, but I think you know from what I saw last year, obviously Tammy Abraham, Mings, players like that, uh, they did use loan players to good effect, and I doubt that Chelsea have got a transfer ban. I doubt they're going to keep. They might get Mings. They may be able to keep him or sign him. Tammy Abraham, I doubt. Are they going to suffer? How do you think it? You know, see it going at this early stage for them. Um. I thought they were quite impressive last season. Um, as you said, they, they, they borrowed, you know, quite literally um, and, and relied a, a great deal on their loan signings. Um, the big losses for me are, are to Anzabi and Mings. Um, so that together, those two were immense yeah. um, as a centre-back pairing. Um, so to lose your two young centre-backs who were both outstanding and had developed an understanding with each other... Um, that is a significant loss going into the Premier League, you know, moving up a level. So they'll suffer greatly for that. Um, I don't know what their, their possibility is on, on them signing Mings, um, but we need at least one of those two. 
Um, looking forward, at Jota, I mean, he's hardly prolific, is he? Um, that's like three goals in kind of 40 games. Mm. Um, Wesley is a risk, an exciting one. If I was a Villa fan, I'd be very excited. You, you, you just love to sign like a Brazilian who's highly rated in Europe. It's great. Um, that's what getting promoted is all about, frankly, just get, having this kind of mad signing who you have to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, target um, they brought in at left back um, you know a sensible signing so all told to this point that, well they'll be fine I can see them staying up um, I can't see them doing a great deal though without the, the goals of Tammy Abraham they're going to miss him too um, so really when you look at you know the kind of, I know Grealish was magnificent for him I, and I, I can't remember what the stats were but he had more impact individually on Villa than any other individual player had on their respective clubs in the championship last year yeah. um, but really if you're going to be taking out 25 goals from up front and a, a young brilliant centre-back pairing from the back you're going to suffer yeah I mean they've been linked with a Lille player as well uh, the A&O or something uh, again another well being compared to Mbappe, which I think is getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Again, that would be. Are we so- there now? We're actually we're comparing people to kids who actually haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that where we are. Man, well, God. we are, but the media. No, right, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. As they always have been. Yeah. How old is Mbappe? He's like twenty, isn't he? Or- yeah, it's not <laughs> not that old, but no, and already doing it from a very very young age. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, Jordan, your thoughts? Do you think is if they are very active? If they do spend money, if they bring a lot of players in, is there a, is there a danger they'll do what Fulham did and just not rely on the players that got them there in the first place and overload? Or do they really need, do all the promoter sides need to do a lot? Because I just look at the three sides, obviously we discuss them individually, but none of them stand out as being, you know, Ready. I wouldn't be overly confident of any of them taking the Premier League by storm. And by storm, I mean just even mid-table. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's funny you should say about the Fulham um, comparison because that's what I was about to say. The type of signings that they're they're looking to make. I mean, as you say, Steve, Abraham's going to be a massive miss. And bringing in, I know they spent twenty two million on a striker in Wesley, but he, he's coming yeah. from Club Bruges. So to to spend that sort of money from a player who is only played in the Belgian league and been successful is a massive yeah. risk, um, especially when you. He's expected to fill the boots of Abraham. As you say as well, Steve, you know, lo- losing not one but two centre-halves, your actual centre-half pairing is is crazy. That It's going to be so, so hard to deal with. And I don't think they've really made any any ground into replacing them. They've brought in Courtney House from Wolves, who I admittedly haven't seen too much of, paid three million for him. You, you can't see him being on the same level as Mings or Tuanzebe. Mm-hmm. Mings... As, uh, funny, we were discussing Nathan Ake before because I think if Nathan Ake goes, then Mings is going straight into that Bournemouth side to replace him. So I think Villa fans will be hoping that City don't make a move for Ake. But in terms of the players that they've already got there, they've got two players in John McGinn and Jack Grealish who wouldn't look out of place in a, in a team fighting for top six in, a, in a, let's say, Leicester. McGinn, who, who was linked with United for 50 million, um, although that's a, it's not really saying much at the moment. And also I can tell you for a fact that that's absolute rubbish. Nice little exclusive for you there. That was completely <laughs> made up. Um, and Grealish, as an Aston Villa fan, could, could have moved to Spurs last season, I think, and chose to stay at the club or it just didn't materialise. 
you know, he absolutely loves the club and to have him as their captain is going to, I think, will hopefully spur them on and give them a bit extra team spirit, a bit more, a bit more fights, which you need as a promoted side, especially when you're, you're bringing in players from all over the world who don't necessarily understand the club and may not give that extra 10% that you need to stay up. So it'll be interesting. I think Dean Smith's a really good manager. He came in at quite a difficult time and did a brilliant job. But he, he does play, try to play attractive football. The difference was last season they had that solid base of, of Tuanzebe and Mings. And without that, yeah. it could all fall apart quite easily. You think, it, yeah, they did actually concede 61 goals last season. Yeah, so it, 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 when I say it's a solid base, you know, it's more solid than most, but it's still a bit liquidy. But yeah, still, you know, <laughs> now that they take the the step up, you know, well, obviously 46 games, you know, they play more games anyway. It's not a terrible against column, but it is the most of the three promoted sides, I think. Mm. You know, I, I, also, I assume Norwich would be the most because they all seem to have so many crazy games where they scored late on to win games that, you know, uh, but no, it was actually Aston Villa. Uh, so yeah, plenty of work to do there, but we'll see. Obviously, we've still got about a month left of the transfer window. I think there's going to be plenty more activity from them. Uh, let's move on to Norwich then. Uh, the champions, 94 points, 93 goals as well. Uh, Patrick Roberts has found his way there for next season. They had Pukki, of course. or Yeah, I'm not going to say Pukki. Pukki up for 20, <laughs> 29 goals. I can't read my own writing. Pukki sponsored by Puma. I've even got that Lille player putting an N in his surname. Uh, 29 goals last season, revelation. Uh, Norwich are like, I don't know, a little bit of uh, Germany <laughs> in East Anglia because uh, Daniel Fark, I think, was I think uh, Dortmund's reserve manager beforehand. Uh, but they've got 11 players in the squad who are either German or have played in the Bundesliga. So he's used his uh, contacts very well. Uh and yeah, they were extremely entertaining to watch last season. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on, you know, I don't think they've done much activity yet. So can they really, you know, would that style translate into the Premier League with just the likes of Patrick Roberts coming on? Do they really need some, again, to bring in some top-class talent? to? No, <sighs> I mean, the way their their strategy is is kind of you know looking around, bringing in players on the cheap who they've you know heavily researched, uh, looked into the background of the character, the character of the person as much as the quality on the pitch, um, and then you, you know you you mould the squad together. It takes a year, as it did because the previous year, the comparison between two thousand eighteen nineteen and the previous year was staggering. It's like a two two completely different teams, yeah. and in the way it was because he, he uh, Fark made a, a good deal of signings over that summer. Um, they didn't get anything like the recognition they deserved for last season. I mean, as you said, then what was it ninety? Let's check now. Ninety four points. Yeah, right? ninety three goals. Which yeah, is quite a lot bigger scores in the league. You look at the championship last year, and you look at the media coverage and. Leeds basically got half yeah. of, of all coverage of the championship. Um, Villa got, you know, nearly all the rest of it. And what was left over went to Sheffield United for their kind of, you know, unlikely promotion tale. Norwich didn't get a look in. They played really entertaining football. Um, they've got some really good young players coming through. Um, they're doing everything right. 
Um, I really, really, really hope Norwich have a, a great season and finish mid-table, don't go anywhere near that drop zone, um, and just continue to impress. I mean, you look at the players they've brought in this, this summer so far as well. Patrick Roberts, you, you've named. Um, Joseph Dimmick, Swiss striker. I've, I've not heard of him. I don't know who he is. And and But you just know that if Fark has, has targeted him, he's going to be a success story. Um, yeah. We're after part of Thistle's 18-year-old Aidan Fitzpatrick in midfield. Fark will play him. If he get him, he'll play him in the Premier League. He'll play him at the Etihad. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, they're going about it in such a brave, likeable fashion. And I really hope they, they do it. I hope they finish above um, Villa and Sheffield United and, and be the best of the promoted sides. Yeah, and it's a cracking away day as well. To be honest, so. <laughs> so far away though. It is, yeah, I know. Um, Jordan, your thoughts on Norwich? Yeah, as Steve says, really exciting team. I think when, when teams come up and they play that brand of football, it can go one of two ways um, and without really much of a middle ground. It can either be like Wolves, who just take the league by storm and cement their place and are never really in danger, or it can be a bit like Blackpool and you know they, they they score plenty of goals, provide plenty of entertainment, but in the end they probably just needed a bit more pragmatism. So yeah. I'm hoping that they... Uh, that they go the way of Wolves. That obviously they don't have as many established players as Wolves do, but you know, as Steve said, Daniel Fark is a fantastic manager, and he, he's not scared of taking risks. The signings that they've brought in, I think they could probably do with a bit more Premier League experience. But you know, as Steve just said, I keep, keep quoting Steve. Must be onto something. Um, <laughs> last season the players that he brought in weren't expected to do anywhere near as well as they did. So Puki, who came in, or Puki, I, I, we will agree on that, um, came in on a free transfer from Bronby and scored yeah. over 20 goals, wasn't it? So yeah. no, no one 29, saw that. Yeah. 29 goals. No one saw that coming. They're quite astute in the transfer market as well. Tim Krul on a free transfer. Um, Moritz Leitner, who came in from Augsburg. So... He's did a good job. Felix Paslak as well. He was on loan from Dortmund. He actually played against City in a pre-season game and impressed a couple of years ago. So that was good. And then this year, Patrick Roberts, I think it's it's a sort of a make or break season for him, really. I think he spent a bit too much time on loan at Celtic, had a bit of bad luck with injuries, particularly last year as well at Girona. But if he can impress in the Premier League, then I think City fans will put pressure on on City to at least bring him back and give him a go next pre-season. And also, they've also brought in Daniel Adshead from Rochdale for £300,000. Now, Daniel Adshead became Rochdale's youngest ever player two seasons ago. And he's also a Manchester City fan. He's a big blue. And I know for a fact he's listened to this podcast before. I don't know if he's... he's, uh, on the player, but he certainly listened to the Friday show before. So if you're listening, Daniel, congrats on the move. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, he, he's a really good prospect. So he's definitely one to watch as well. Dermot, she's... Well, all, oh, sorry to interrupt, okay. all, all I know about Daniel as well is I saw on Twitter there was a few Rochdale fans wishing him all the best. Mm. So um, he's obviously well thought of. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a really nice lad. I've spoken to him on Twitter quite a bit um, and spoke to Keith Hill uh, last season before he got sacked about him and he only had good things to say about him. You know, he's been linked with all top clubs ever since he broke yeah. onto the scene. So he's definitely one to watch. And it's nice to have a, a City fan up there. So you never know, yeah. maybe he can make the move to the Etihad one day. But yeah, hopefully Norwich can um, can go more the way of Wolves than Blackpool. Brilliant. Right, well, the last one of the three. Uh, <laughs> intrigue one. Sheffield United. Uh Tight in defence, I would say. Tight, joint tightest in the Championship with 
uh, Middlesbrough, which may surprise no one. <laughs> uh, two promotions in three years, though. So, obviously, that's a great success story under Chris Wilder. Uh, but it does also bring its own problems because some of the players that will be in this team next year, or at least in the squad, will have been players who were playing in League One. Now, of course, doesn't mean to say they've not progressed and could do a brilliant job. Uh, but, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. I say of the three, they've probably got the most. And very quiet in the transfer market so far. Luke Freeman might be on his way from QPR. He was QPR's brightest spark, perhaps, in a disappointing season last season. But again, you know, is that enough? Uh, very interesting, Chris Wilder. Tactically, I think, very astute if you read up on them, with overlapping centre-backs going up the wing. Uh, and, you know, sounds a bit pep-like, the stuff they were trying tactically. <laughs> and it worked really well. All the players are from the UK or Ireland, so no one... From, you know, from the rest of the world, basically. Uh, but tactically, it's just seemed to made a lot, you know, definitely greater than some of the parts. So I'll start with you, Jordan, your thoughts. Now, it looks like... Well, actually, I'll start with you, Steve, because you mentioned off uh, that, the, you know, there's still problems perhaps at the top, you know, off the pitch, despite the mm. tremendous achievement. Uh, they're not going to have a lot of... Now, they're partly owned, part-owned, or 50%, perhaps. I think he tried to take over the whole lot club the other year unsuccessfully by a Saudi prince you'd think they'd be loaded uh, with money uh, but that is not the case that's the thing they are loaded it's just you know the money isn't um, making its way to the club because um, the Saudi prince uh, mentioned there and John McCabe just have polar opposite views on on kind of where to take the club Um, and there's a personality clash there and they really don't get it on so you've got you know, two owners there, co-owners who don't get on, um, and ordinarily that would mean that the club would be in stasis and just you know, um, go backwards. So all the credit has to go to Chris Wilder um, for Sheffield United going up last year. It was an incredible achievement. Yeah. Um, I watched them a number of times, and you, you mentioned there about their overlapping centre backs. When I read about it first before I saw them, I thought, oh, that's going to look really mad. But yeah. it just it works. It just works. It's so fluid. You know, the players are so well drilled. They know exactly when to fill in and what to do. Um, and he's he's not known for sticking. You know, kind of a centre back in in a kind of um, in midfield as well, and, and going to a, a back two um, or you know, sorry, a back four. Um, yeah, he, he's very tactically astute, Chris Wilder, and that is far more interesting than the actual players that they, he has because um, when you go through the team I mean my god I think there's four players there who've got Premier League experience mm. and only one of any semi-significant Premier League experience so where how they fare it, it, who knows I mean it, I think the oldest cliche in the book is, rings true with Sheffield United which is if they can finish fourth and bottom they'll snap your hands off right now um, and particularly when you have two co-owners at loggerheads with each other and no money coming through. I mean, they're giving a trial right now to Ravel Morrison. Um, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> <laughs> they should be able to... Well, for one thing, if all being well and if all was normal there, they would have a great deal of money to invest this summer. They've got a great manager. They've got a cohesive squad. They would have 
everything going their way. Um, unfortunately, that's just not the case, and it it might require an even greater miracle this time <clears throat> just to stay up. Yeah, uh, Jordan, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, it's I, not. I say it's a it's a bit weird, you know, making conclusions. It's like us shrieking about City not making signings when uh, it's July the third. Mm. But has Roger not signed yet? But uh, no, <laughs> Angelino's on the way though. Yeah. Uh, it does strike you that they're not going to be that active in the summer. Uh, is the feeling at the moment, or if they will be delving into the lower leagues or the championship and whatnot? Uh, your thoughts? Do you think this this are the team of the three that are going to struggle the most? Yeah. Well, as it stands, they're they're in real trouble. They they need to make signings. Still got you know over a month to do so, but. You're looking at the squad now. I've just gone on Wikipedia because, admittedly, I, I don't know many of them. And yeah, Billy Sharp. I mean, I, yeah, I've I've heard of yeah. plenty of them, but none none of them jump out to me as you know. He's going to keep them in the Premier League, or even he's he's Premier League quality. He'd be snapped up by a a Premier League team and go into the starting lineup. So I think it's testament to to Chris Wilder and how good a tactician he is and how good a, a man manager he is. Everyone has nothing but good things to say about him. Um, but he will have to pull off a miracle as it stands. Unless they can they can strengthen heavily, I think that they're, they're in real trouble, which is a shame because they've done so well to get to where they are. Um, been down to, to League One, haven't they, and cut, come back yeah. up. So it's a great story. It's just a shame that it's potentially going to be ruined by bordering politics, and hopefully that isn't the case. Hopefully we can see them get some names in, because if not, then it's going to be a bats-to-the-wall job for, for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, with all these sides, is it with the whole for- home form be the crucial thing in keeping them up, do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, at this stage, you, I think you've got to look at the squad, playing squad and it doesn't matter home or away. If you've not got the players, then you're going to struggle. And at the moment, looking at their squad list, it's just it's a bit bleak, I think. And maybe I'm doing a bit of a disservice to these players, but... This is the big time now. You're going to be coming up against some absolute world class internationals, even not in the the top six. You know, you you, you drop down a bit further, and you're still playing the likes of Leicester um, and Everton, who who have got the likes of Richarlison, Gilfie Sigurdsson. It, it's it's a different ball game now for them, so they're they're going to really struggle unless they can strengthen. I think. Yeah, and the the squabbles at the higher level are going on in court. Yeah, and even investments that have been late. Some have been laid and has been mentioned within. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, correspondence there. I think a relative was one of possible investors. So yeah, it's uh, the human rights uh, journalist will no doubt be all over this mm. next season. Uh, yeah, I think I don't. This... I don't expect many stories about City then. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. this is obviously the biggest story. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, so just both of you of the three, who who do you predict? Not once, but who do you think will be the finish the highest next season? Villa, Villa. I think Villa. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for Norwich. Originally, before we started this pod, I would have said Villa, and then I considered that they've lost their their top scorer and their two centre backs, and I'm going to have a little bit of faith in Norwich and hope okay. hope that they'll they'll go about things the the right way, if you want to call it that, or just play good football and and sh- surprise everyone. Yeah. And also, right. I like Norwich because in the past, they've tend to have given City about 13 goals a season and six we points. Do. Yeah, that we, City yeah. do enjoy playing Norwich. Yeah. You can forget the 6-1. The Tevez come uh, back. Match, so. the, the goal scored in that match, I think, were the best goals City scored all season. Yeah. 
about four of them that. just absolutely brilliant and then Tevez celebrating with a golf swing oh yeah <laughs> how we laughed yeah I don't <laughs> think it was his first game back but certainly his uh, first yeah. start it was first start yeah it was right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, what a day it was weird that day because I, I went to it it was the Grand National that day as well and I just went in the pub and it was after the match so it must have been an early Saturday kickoff because United won the next day I think at home to Villa or somewhere and they were cheering in the pub the locals when every horse fell over <laughs> cheering the horses dying <laughs> just lovely what a that's horrible place that's not original that's East Anglia yeah. for you so no, but what a brilliant day out. go down. No, it was, yes, great, great. Let's place. hope we fall at the first. They just oh, need a motorway. It. They need a motorway, yeah. Uh, right, let's move just on. They to... <laughs> do. <laughs> I can get to Barcelona quicker. <laughs> let's move on anyway, the, re- the rest. And we have to start with Rafa Benitez, who I think is now in China, and Newcastle United. Uh Stay, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the whole sorry mess. I mentioned off air that about, I don't know, a month, it might be two months ago now, uh, or maybe six weeks or so, Newcastle fans were probably so excited that they were go, about to go on the same journey as Manchester City fans from 11 years ago. Uh, and the billionaires taking over, dirty oil money. They were going to be amazing. Yeah, what a future. And now here we are, the manager's gone. Perez has probably gone to Leicester today for thirty million, and nothing's changed whatsoever. Uh, what do you make of it all? Oh, it's just like one of those really depressing soap operas where whenever you turn it on, people are just kind of growling threats at each other. Um, it's so dispiriting and so persistently, relentlessly depressing. Um, Newcastle fans deserve so much better than this. I wrote an article um, about five weeks ago, a month ago, when it seemed that they were going to be taken over. And the article basically was, dear Newcastle fans, this is what you can expect from a City fan. You know, this is what what you can expect to go through, the good and the bad. Um, And I had loads of Newcastle fans getting in touch, and they were really, really excited. Um, I just feel for them. I genuinely really feel for them. There's one man responsible for all this. We know it's Mike Ashley and he's not going to go anywhere and it has to stop at some point. Um, As regards to Rafa, I've got... The man needs to work. Um, I read an article the other day on this and I I wholly agree with it. He needs to work. He's that type. He's a driven guy. Um, He needs a project and so, you know, he was always just going to jump at at the first kind of meaningful opportunity um, so the fact that it's gone to China is a touch surprising but if there wasn't any job opportunities elsewhere um, in, in, in the top five uh, leagues across Europe at this given time then he was always going to take that really rather than sit out and wait for three months or you know wait for a manager to be sacked in late September that's not his style he just needs to work constantly um, but going back to Newcastle oh god it's 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 just like looking at a dog with three legs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, uh, Jordan, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, no. just the, uh, can we just deal with the the ridiculous? Well, not the elephant in the room. Just I can't believe you know uh, David Conn, I think, and Richard Keys. They yeah, they all always talk sense, of course, suggesting that somehow Rafa is a hypocrite for taking big money in China. 
having left Newcastle because he couldn't get big money for players. I don't quite understand the no, link. Th- but. There's no logic. I think people, they're just looking for reactions, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it's absolute rubbish, really. And since coming into a working world, I think if someone offered to quadruple my wages, then I'd be on the next plane to wherever they needed to be. You know, these, these people need to work. They need to provide for families. Okay, they're not going to struggle too much. But I don't think you can really have a go at them for for taking taking a much better paid role. You know, these they're, they're just people as well. Mm. People seem to think footballers and football managers are different. They've got some sort of loyalty to to the fans, when in reality that you've got to do what's best for you and what's best for your family. Yeah. And I don't think it, there's any any link to to him not getting the money he wanted at Newcastle and him getting the money he wanted at um, Julian Yefang. I've pronounced that wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> let's let's say the Chinese Super League club. Um, yeah. If anything, it just shows that he's got he's been consistent. He didn't get the money he wanted at Newcastle, so he's gone to China for the money he wanted. Okay, the, the, there's a, that's not strictly true, but you know that there, there is some sort of common sense there. He's had a horrible time at Newcastle and he's been so loyal to them and their fans, sticking with them when they got relegated, bringing them back up when he could have had his pick of jobs really in England or Spain or around the world. So I, th- I think I think to criticise him for taking this job is just so wrong. And yeah, best of luck to him. I- I'd rather seen him managing the Premier League still because he's a great manager, but it's his decision and I think he's got to do what's best for him. Without him there, are they now relegation candidates for next season. Yes, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. I saw a tweet today from, I think it was Daniel Story, um, freelance journalist who does Football 365 and BBC. And he said, with Rondon's loan ending, Ayosi Perez going for 30 million to Leicester, seemingly, Newcastle's top scorer is a centre-half who missed three months of the last season with injury. <coughs> that that yeah. is an absolute state, really, isn't it? How can you expect to get anywhere with that? I think it's Fabian yeah. Scher, isn't it? Um, who seems to only score absolute screamers. But yeah, no, it's, they're, they're, it's a real concern for them. Doesn't seem like there's much investment. This takeover seems to have just died down completely. I'm yeah. not sure what happened with that. No. Um, so it's really worrying times. And it's just a shame, as Mike Ash has already been mentioned, don't want to give him as, that much airtime, but it's just baffling that someone who claims to be a fan of the club can can cause this and just bleed it dry it's really it's really yeah. sad really and i think i think sympathy should be with with newcastle from from most football fans probably I not think, Sunderland, yeah. but yeah well there's no assumption that 30 million will get spent either no it's not as if they're now going to reinvest it on reinvest it into house yeah. of fraser mm. well which other story buys this yeah. week i don't know at state what would you do as a fan then what do you do as a Newcastle United fan about this? Well, I mean, Not I go. Well, I, I do um, social media for a, a retro clothing company, and we're all coming across now and in droves buying like the retro tops rather than buying the new kit this season. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's talk of boycotting games as well, and that this has happened before several times actually. Um, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, isn't it? Because to what extent are you basically cutting your nose off to spite your face? Because yeah. we live and die as football fans. You know, we the reason we're football supporters is because we enjoy watching our team play football. Yeah, um, and if you you know deprive yourself of that, are you making a vast amount of difference there? Um, perhaps if you do so collectively, um, but it's really hard to get a collective you know group of people to do one thing in protest. Extremely hard. 
Um, and also, by doing so, you are damaging the club as well as much as you are Mike Ashley. Yeah. Um, and do you, you know? Do you really want to damage your own football club? So, it's such a tricky one. I mean, I personally believe they are in such dire straits now, and they are at that stage now with Mike Ashley where you know enough is enough, and then you can add another enough to that as well. That they do have to basically just sever all ties with the club until he's gone. Just absolutely, you know, have it half full. Every home game this season, don't obviously you know we're boycotted Sports Direct now for a number of years, but don't spend a single penny on merchandise um, until finally he realizes it is in his own best financial interest to move on. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any answers myself, so <laughs> yeah, because it is tough. Isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, how do you deal with that? Because. Yeah, when I'm moaning about ten pound increase on season tickets, the reason I am is because season, you know, ticket money is the, has never been less important to the income of a Premier League club. Uh, and if no one yeah. goes and no one buys anything, they'll still have huge TV deal money and sponsorship deals that'll, you know, it'll go down a bit. And yeah, it's probably the right move, but there'll still be tons of money coming in, especially when he's not uh, he's not reinvesting player sale money into the team. Well, we've seen as well with with sustained protest how eventually, you know, like I'm thinking Blackpool, for example, um, you know, eventually it works. But my God, how long did it go on for Blackpool? Yeah. I mean, that was, what, three seasons, was it? Indeed, yeah, um, longer than that, so yeah. Yeah, of actual fans kind of going on match day, but just kind of, you know, with placards outside the ground rather than going in to watch their team. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that takes some dedication, that. Um, but if anyone's got that dedication, it's Newcastle because I tell you what, they've had a little jibes at City and City have had little jibes back uh, over the years where they've said, you know, oh, we're kind of hardcore law fans and City fans have said, hang on, when you were in Division 2 and, you know, whatever, 1988, you only had this amount of fans um, and they've come back at us. But let's face it, City fans and Newcastle fans have to be right up there as most loyal fan bases around. Um and so when they're in situations like that, I think it's always nice for us to just kind of stand in solidarity as much as we can, really, because, you know, they, they've, they, like I said at the top, they deserve so, so much better. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk campaigns. We won't, we'll, we'll move on from forward with Franny. Uh, <laughs> not going to depth on that one. Oh, it worked, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, let's move on finally then. Uh, running short of time as we approach the hour. Uh, the the rest, uh, I'll leave it quite open, Jordan, so start with you. I mean, I've put about, I think Graham Ward it was, who asked on uh, Twitter a good question. Wolves, are they going to be the new Burnley? Which sounds like a stupid question to ask. Uh, but Nuno likes a small squad and now they're in the Europa League. Uh, is he... Do you think Wolves will kick on, do you know, perform like they did last season, or when you've got European uh, football to play as well, is it dangerous to work with such a small squad? Does he need to think differently? Um, yeah, yeah, in some ways because it, it is quite an exhausting competition, and if you're not equipped for it properly, then then both your your form in that competition and your league form are going to going to suffer as as it happens with Burnley they were knocked out very early so it didn't really have too much of an effect apart from right at the start of the season and they were able to get it back on track I think Wolves generally have a lot more quality than Burnley 
um, the sort of style of football that they play because they try and exert control over the ball. They're, they're able to maintain a lot more energy and less likely to pick up injuries in those sorts of games. And, you know, that, that yes, he prefers a small squad, but there, there's there's quality there beyond the starting 11. They've got the likes of Adama Traore um, who can come in. I know they're just about to learn how to cost to Leeds if they've not already done so. But, you know, uh, Cavalero is our... Or, Ivan Cavallero, something like that. Cavallero, I think he's called actually, who came from Monaco and about two seasons ago now. They're, they're, they've got players who can come off the bench and players who can do a job in the Europa League, which is quite bizarre to think of given that they only came up last season. But I don't think they'll, they definitely won't struggle to the extent that Burnley struggled with the demands of it. If they, I think they will um, try and strengthen this summer. I know they've already brought in Raul Jimenez, which I think. He, he was brilliant last season, really good strike and suits their needs perfectly. Um, but yeah, I think they probably do need to bring in a few more players just to help with the the demands. That They've got a bit of a... I can't think of much strength and depth beyond their back three of Connor Cody, um, Bowley and Bennett. I can't I can't actually think of who their backup centre-halves are. Maybe Dendonka who can do a job there. But yeah. there's certainly areas where they'll need to strengthen to, to help them prepare for that. But I have no doubt that they will they will bring in some players. Hopefully it's just the right ones. And yeah, I, I, I can see them being fine. The problem that they probably will have is that the teams around them, I think are only going to get better next season. I think Everton and Leicester showed signs at the end of last season that they'll, they'll be a lot better this season. Yeah. So in terms of whether they can agree, secure yeah. that spot again is, is up for debate, especially if they don't bring in, if they don't strengthen properly, but, I think they'll be fine in terms of coping with the demands of Europa League football. Okay. Steve, uh, your thoughts? The open question again, so you can talk Wolves if you want, but if we uh, assume that the cut-off for the top six is obviously United in sixth, as as it always will be, uh, who do you think will be the best of the rest? Who are you looking at next season to be uh, challenging that top six, perhaps? I Well, immediately I disagree with you. I think the best of the rest will be Manchester United. <laughs> um, I, I, I really do um, yeah I, I think Leicester will be up there I think Wolves will be up there I completely agree with all that Jordan said then about Wolves um, yeah I, just staying on, on Wolves briefly and with um, kind of the Europa League they're kind of down, damned if they do damned if they don't um, you know do you play kind of the kids um, in which case you're going to be fine in the league but you know you'll exit Europe very swiftly and also then you have to factor in, well, what are they actually aspiring to be Wolves? Because they're not going to finish top four next season. Um, so, you know, what was the point in trying to get into the Europa League if they're just going to kind of jettison it at the earliest opportunity? Um, or do they kind of go with a full strength 11, um, drop in a, a couple of players here and there, in which case fatigue will be a factor because if you do well in it, you're looking at an extra 16 to 18 games. So that's going to have an impact. Um, so it is a really tricky one for those clubs who are looking to finish kind of eighth, seventh, sixth. Um, of those clubs, I, like I say, I think Leicester will be the one to really look out for this year. Um, I, I think they've got a, a great team, a really good team. Um, I think even if he um, lose Harry Maguire, it'll be of such funds that they can go out and get Tarkowski, for example, to replace him. Um and, you know, Brendan Rodgers, as much as I loathe the man, he's a very, very shrewd coach. Um, West Ham, I think, have been desperately in need of a striker and are still out looking for two at the moment. Two names just keep popping up. 
Um, if we bring in a top-class striker, West Ham will do very well indeed. Um, but ultimately, all of what I've said matters for nothing because for his exact same question last year, I said Fulham. So yeah, um, we all did. We all did. Yeah, we all did. So I'm going to bow out at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nautovic wants to leave them to uh, West Ham. I think. I'm not sure they'll let him after he, mm. he said he wanted to stay definitely earlier in the year. But we'll save him. Yeah, he, he, well, he's basically has he two statements, in doesn't he? He, he? he has two statements, and just like once every couple of months, he releases one and then yeah. oh, releases the other one. And... Yeah, he's not got Yaya Torre's agent, has he, by any chance? <laughs> Uh, right, well, I think we've covered anything. Is there anything extra any of you want to discuss? Anything? Anyone got strong opinions on Brighton, Bournemouth, Burnley? Any teams beginning with B? You can have a go. <laughs> <laughs> or Crystal Palace, if you want to go down and uh, move on through the... Uh, uh, any of them you think are going to sink real relegation trouble next season? It'd be interesting if Palace lose to Har. That'll be interesting to see how they replace mm. him. But I still think they've got enough quality there to... Uh, well, they've already lost Wan Bissaka, but yeah, uh, so that's maybe one to consider. I don't have any strong opinions on it though, Howard. So I, I think that's the one, you know, as and when that happens. Because as long as they've got Zahar, I don't think they'll be in any trouble. But if you take that star quality away, then that could be one to uh, one to watch. And yeah, as you say, Brighton might be interesting to see how Graham Potter does there. Uh, I can't really think of many major signings that they made. I think they brought in a centre half from Portsmouth, but apart from that, they'll they'll need to strengthen as well. Yeah, I think he's a very bright manager, but the team itself is surely one of the weakest, I think. Yeah. So it will be interesting. So, Steve, any thoughts on them? Or are they all just going to hang around mid-table? Um, Brighton, well, I expect Brighton to do okay, to be fair. Um, Crystal Palace will be really interesting ones to see how they fare, and that it really is a coin flip. There's no way of knowing, to be honest, with or without Zaha. Um, I hope Burnley go down because of Burnley. <laughs> Um, and we can be the only ones in, in the league with a similar kit then um, yeah apart from that uh, no no one really stands out as uh, for me and I hate to say this but for me I think Sheffield United are the only one which I'd put money on to go down yeah. at this stage beyond that it's all up for grabs really and sorry yeah. can I just apologise because Brighton have actually made a, a quite a big signing Glenn. Leandro Trossard from Genk for 18 million, who I've never heard oh, of. Right. So we'll see yeah. how he does, I guess. I think, think that's a, their record signing because I think the previous one was Jurgen Lacadia, um, who hasn't done much. So I think that must no. be their record signing. I think well, when, when teams like that go really big, though, it does it does often have very mixed fortunes or poor fortunes. But well, yeah, it, it backfired on them greatly last year and they were so reliant on Glenn Murray. Yeah. Um, he did brilliant, but they can't expect the same again. So yeah. they do need one of their strikers to step up to the plate this year. Yeah. As per our quiz question, he scored, the, 30, what was it, 37%, 37 like that, yeah. Yeah, of his team's goals last season. How did yeah, he do so. in that quiz, Steve? It's <laughs> um, <laughs> alright, you don't I, need to answer. I, I, I won. That's why I won, I won. I'm, Did you? I'm yeah. pleased to say that. <laughs> a moral victory, if not an actual That's one. Exactly what I meant, yeah. <laughs> a moral victory. Right, the well, most important victory of all. Obviously, uh, before the season starts, we'll probably do a proper, a big review again, preview, looking at teams and City, of course. So I'm sure we'll be coming back to some of these, uh, these clubs. Once there's been more activity and we know a bit more. But I think we've covered everything there. Uh, thanks very much, Jordan, for coming on at short notice. No problem at all. Always a pleasure. 
I forgot to text him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Would have helped. I, I knew something you had to do last night, but I didn't do it. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for uh, sparing the time. And thanks, Steve, for coming on as well. Pleasure, man. Uh, I've written a, there's lots of other shows, of course, uh, interviews. I've written a quiz that's nothing to do with football, just general knowledge. So we'll try and get that recorded at some point. Uh, loads of other stuff coming up. So thanks for listening and look out for the other stuff. Until next time, goodbye and up the blues.